We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Grinders today. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and it's Friday, October 6th. We'll to be taking a look at week five NFL slate on DraftKings, some GPP strategy, game stacks, team stacks, everything you want to know about uh, being large field, small field, medium field, any size field, right? We got Squirrel Patrol healed, John Breslin. You beat all types of fields on FanDuel and DraftKings. Yeah, yeah, that's the goal. Um, you know, kind of been like, Kind of a gotten the label live final specialist and like single entry specialist, uh, which won a million maker a few weeks ago. So um take you know, take all all fields. Um all field size, hit that thumbs up button, give me those tummy thumbs. You know, I like them in the morning. This is free content. Free content. A lot of times, you know, last last two years, me and Tuttle did the the NFL the game theory show, and that was for premium members. And that's what kind of this Friday show is more like. Uh looking at, you know, ways to get different, but you know. Under-owned spots, over-owned spots, team team stacks, game stacks. We got all the premium content coming out today. Uh, John's solo ship show with uh, JM to win. We got tournament takes. We got got, uh, Noto's core personnel. You can see all the content here. Some of it is free. Some of it is paid. Obviously, we got the optimal stacks tool that I know that Squirrel Patrol looks at a lot. That gets updated throughout the day. We got lineup HQ, which has all of our projections for players, their ownership. Uh, you know, injury situations, everything like that, that you could use a lineup builder to build one lineup, to build five lineups, to build 300 lineups if you want. So sign up for Roto-Grinders Premium today by clicking on the link in the description. Get $10 off your first month, which also includes if you got the combo premium package, we got college football stuff also. I've been using, John, I've been using our college football projections for player since now that Kentucky has opened up sports betting. I've used our college football statistical projections for college football props. And last week did, did actually pretty damn well. The, the markets on those props are boy they're They are all over the place. Like it's, 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 it, if you're not line shopping in college, foot, it's like, it's like free money 
value-wise, because you'll take a look at a, you'll take a look at our, like John, you'll take a look at our statistical projections, like for a receiver, and it'll be like 42, right? A mean of 42. And then you'll see like one place, like their line will be like 46 and a half. And another place will be 58 and a half, right? And then another place will be 55 and a half. And another place will be 42 and a half. And it's like, like, oh, well, I'm going to take under 58 and a half over here. This is just, is this, is this how easy it is? It's just like, <laughs> like there's going to be one outlier and you're just like, it's going to be so far in some other direction that you just take it. And then next thing you know, when you wake up in the morning on Saturday, that 58 and a half on that book is now down to like 44 and a half. And it's just like, you get like 14 yards of value just for some inexplicable reason. Right. Yeah. It's, I guess it's just less liquid than NFL and, and some of the pro sports markets. Uh, congratulations on your, your sports betting. Uh, that's big news coming to, to Kentucky. Uh, yeah. I've been so, doing well on the bonus bets. I mean, it's, it's always, yeah. it's always nice because on the long shot. So like, like what I did yesterday, I'm glad because some of my other props didn't hit that, you know, I just look and go, okay, the, the EV I'm supposed to, be betting on longer shots, but I don't want to like bet plus 1000s, but they give me these boosts for the same game parlays. So I'm like, let me pair these things together. It's like, I already have Curtis Samuel over two and a half receptions. I'll just pair that with anytime touchdown. Or I, I have Cole Komet for over three and a half receptions already as a regular, just straight prop. So I'll just, uh, just add it as a anytime touchdown and then just apply bonus money to it. And it's like, okay, this is a little you know, if it happens, great. If it doesn't, I don't lose anything. But right, you know that that's the kind of the optimal way that you should be using those that those bonus funds. Yeah, this is the glorious time for you for sports betting when all the books open and they're offering like hundreds or thousands of dollars in bonus money, free bets, whatever. And then like you're just getting these like profit boosts, you know, bonuses, and and nobody's cut off yet. So like, nobody's limited yet. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's still. Kind of bet I'm not being greedy, that, John. The thing nice. is, the thing is, is that someone asked. A couple of people have asked. It's like I'm not, I'm not being greedy. Yeah. Right. I'm not going in and going. What's the max? Five hundred bucks or whatever. It's like I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm. You know me. I'm a nit. Right. It's like how do, how can I sustain my accounts if I'm going to optimize for? Can I make twenty five to fifty thousand dollars on on mostly player props and have the books kind of allow me to do so? So in that regard of like what that type of bankroll is, scaling it up past there, yeah, that's that's tough without you know getting getting your knees capped at, right. at these books. But I'm I'm just like I'm going about it how if I was a really really avid recreational better, and it's like I I really I'm a fantasy player. I like player props, so it's like thirty dollars here, twenty dollars there, fifty dollars here, and then. Then I'd look and see if there's like, is there is there a zero hold, a very low hold market in college football? Okay, fine, I'll take a spread there for twenty bucks, right? Because it's like it's like break even, so throw that in for some fun and just do all of this type of stuff. And it's like, like I don't know, like how, how would you be able to determine that 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 I'm so some super sharp in comparison to just some dude that likes making like seventy different twenty to fifty dollar bets on a on a weekend? Yeah, they. They have all kinds of algorithms, so it's like not my specialty. But I, I think they even look at stuff like: Are you betting uh, round numbers? Or are you betting like like on a minus one ten? Are you actually betting one ten to win a hundred, or are you betting a hundred? Because I guess the recreational better is way more inclined to just bet a hundred dollars and win ninety, like win ninety dollars and ninety cents or whatever. Whereas the the sharp sports better is way more likely to bet like one ten to win a hundred 
because they understand what that means. <laughs> um, and so it's like, I've heard that goes into the algorithm, but it, like, it's not, not my specialty. I, I, you know, focus on DFS and I've really, the way I keep my sports book accounts open is just hedging, making kind of bad bets, hedging like DFS outcomes late in the night. Uh, if I'm winning a tournament. Well, let's talk about DFS. Feel free to post your questions in the YouTube chat. We'll get to some of them. You can always send in questions to the mailbag questions at theory of DFS.com. They don't go directly to me. And I splatter, I splatter them out. I, I spread them out over shows for, for, for guests that uh, are best uh, equipped to answer them. I'll always reply back to you when they do get answered on the show. So, you know, when to check it out. So you don't have to, you know, be on the edge of your seat watching every show, but we have this uh, week five slate, smaller slate. We, we're heading the, we're hitting the bye weeks now, 10 games, which is not a small slate, but I mean, compared to 12 or 13, we have a lot more, you know, we have a lot less options here. We have some games that have high totals. We have some games that have really low totals. Uh, in, in the, in the past couple of weeks, I mean, we've been leaning very heavily kind of on the, on the cheaper quarterbacks kind of find like, value stacks attacking the high total games to some degree looking at the projections so far this week i mean it seems outside of maybe i think maybe one game that has a lower a lowish total for the most part i I, i've been running lineups i i've been i mean most of the lineups even compared to ownership that we currently have on friday I've pretty much been focused on the high total games. Yeah, it's so I I like that it's down to ten games, right? Like it, it feels like summer break because baseball ended. Now the bye weeks have started. NBA hasn't started yet. So yeah, we're we're down to ten games. Um, it is a week where I think the higher priced quarterbacks are getting a lot of attention, in particular, like more more than even other positions. But I was actually surprised as I was going through the week. I was able to find something in all ten games. That I think I would even use in like smaller, smaller field, like smaller pool, um, you know, like smaller pool of players. Uh, and there was something in, in just about every single game that I thought was appealing. Uh, but quarterback is a little bit tougher. Um, I've been kind of gravitating towards the higher priced quarterbacks. And some of that is really because there is there is value at the other positions. I think you can find like value in some of the the lower total games um, at like running back at wide receiver. Uh, but of course, yeah, like the higher total games are going to draw more of my attention. So it it might be a week where I'm in like my multi-entry field that a lot of that those lineups end up being like full game stacks of the higher total games with like mini game stacks from the lower total games. Well, let's go through some games, games that uh, that we're looking to target. You're looking to target. And remember on, on this show, since we're, we, you know, we're, we're thinking about game theory, it's more not. Like what the projection is, it's projection versus ownership. So, you know, if you're targeting a game that maybe lower owned, you're doing it because it's under owned. Or if it's high owned, you know, you, you don't think it's owned enough. So what what's one game from a stack perspective or a game stack perspective, team stack, game stack, are, are you looking to target on Sunday? From like from lower total games or? Or no, from any, from any total, from any total games. Um, you want to talk? You want to talk about Casey, Minnesota? Yeah, that's exactly what I was. <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. Right, the, the, let's go with the highest total game. <laughs> yeah, I think that's an appealing one to start with. Okay, uh, Mike. My, my question here for this game is that I think 
I mean, the the the, the perennial, the perennial, the, the often problem with stacking Mahomes, they have a 28 total. Minnesota's 24 and a half. They're playing in the dome, which obviously, you know, that's 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 good. You do you 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 try to play you try to stack Mahomes and then he throws to seven hundred people, yeah. and then then no one no one else gets there. Travis Kelsey seventy six hundred, like tight end this year has been awful. So like Travis Kelsey at seventy six hundred needs to like outperform these seven k eight k wide receivers. But I mean, if you get an extra twenty points at tight end and no one else has, that's always of value to you. I think Rashi Rice may get a little bit of steam at 3,600. So Mahomes, Rice, Kelsey. I mean, are, are you, are you, I mean, you're going to spend up. If you're going to run it back with Justin Jefferson, I mean, I don't know. Are you going to go to your bank and try to take out a loan for more salary into your lineup? I mean, how, how do you stack this game with how expensive some of the pieces are? And are you concerned that, even if the game does go 52 plus points that maybe no one, no one has a score that you need to, I mean, Justin Jefferson putting up 24 points is nice, but at 9,400, it's not something that you need to have. If Kelsey puts up 18 points, that's nice. I mean, it's not a score you need to have. Rashi Rice has 14 points. That's nice at 3,600. But do you think that the team spread the ball out enough that the game could go over and, you're sitting there tilting who's getting these touchdowns and wishing that you played the showdown slate and not on the main slate. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's not easy. They don't make it easy for us. Um, this is by far, I think the most expensive game in terms of salary cap dollars. Um, and I, I think rice is going to get steamed. Like I think you actually hit the nail on the head. I think he's going to probably come in over at 10%. Um, I'd be very surprised if he's under that 10% number. Just because I think everybody's going to look, especially on drafting, right where he's thirty six hundred, like the wide receiver prices go down a little bit more than they do on on FanDuel, and it's like, oh, I can see, I can get this game, this high total game, and I'm not spending a lot of money, and it just like the the Mahomes, like Rushy Rice and Justin Jefferson stack, like builds itself. Um, so, and I, Kelsey might not even come in that highly owned as thirteen percent. I could see that going either way. Um, I actually don't mind going to some of the, the lower non Rashi Rice value pieces in this game. Um, I think like Pacheco is, is interesting at 5,700. And like, I think you can maybe game stack another game, play Pacheco because he's been getting a lot more work than Kansas city or one Kansas city running back generally has in years past. Um, it seems like uh, McKinnon's kind of fallen out of favor there. Like Clyde Edwards, Alaire was really never in favor. Um, so I like, you know, maybe using just Isaiah Pacheco from this game or, you know, if you want to game stack it, go to some of the value pieces like TJ Hawkinson instead of Travis Kelsey. Uh, that's a big savings. And I think like Hawkinson, you know, this, this is a, a good matchup for him. Um, I think you can go to Jordan Addison. Like I always talk about rookies that people love rookies and they want to play them in week one. And that's usually not when you want to play them because usually the team is looking and saying, well, this is a first round draft pick. We don't want to throw him into the fire unless we have to because of injury or some other situation. So they bring them along slowly, like and you've seen like KJ Osborne maintain a lot of the work. But like now they might be thinking, and now it's the time to start slowly working in Addison. Um, you know, and he's fifty three hundred and and less than five percent. So if he's getting like two touchdowns instead of Justin Jefferson, that's a big like pivotal point on the on the slate. Uh, but probably my favorite player from this game though is Justin Jefferson. 
Um, and so he's probably my favorite to spend up on the slate. Uh, and then, but it's just, it's very difficult. Like you, you're not really dealing like a Mahomes, Kelsey, Jefferson stack and then being able to fit in a lot else. Let's go to another high total, high total team. It may not be a high total game, but Miami has a 29 and a half implied total. I think it is the highest on the slate, right? They're at home playing against the Giants who have one of the lowest totals on the slate. The, the, the dynamics of this game are that Wondell Robinson is going to be a very popular punt play at 3,000, okay? Also, I think Devon Achan, or Achan, or whatever you, however you want to pronounce that. It's changed a couple of times during the right. He's It's kind of like thunder and lightning now. Like Mostert has gotten more of like the kind of the pass catching work, and Achan has kind of been the the bruiser type and he's been running like so efficiently like ridiculously efficiently but they have such a high total here i know you'd say that i i would agree with you that jefferson probably projects a little better than tyreek hill i don't want to play one till robinson necessarily as a one-off if people are going to play a sean and robinson why don't I just play a Tua stack, Tua Tyreek, and then have Wandell as the run back? And isn't that leverage off of what could be a 15, 20, 22% Devon Achon or a Chan, whatever, whatever way you want to pronounce that? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, Wandell Robinson, I actually wrote him up on Monday night. And what happened is, you know, he's a guy I expected to get more snaps because he was a highly, you know, highly drafted rookie last year, started doing really well, got injured. Um, then was injured at the beginning of this year. I uh, think he's like the ideal cash game play on DraftKings, but he's probably going to be overrun. Like he's a guy that gets a bunch, like a slot receiver, right? That gets like a bunch of receptions, but he's not necessarily going to get in the end zone. Um, and like if he, yeah, if he gets like seven receptions for 60 yards, um, like that's pretty good for 3,000, but it's not necessarily like winning you a tournament. Um, you want the guy that's getting two touchdowns. Um, I like, I actually do like Devin HN a lot. This week, I actually think people are underrating him. Um, it reminds me, this backfield reminds me of like the New Orleans Saints backfield from like five years ago. We, I think, had like Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, and Kamara just kind of came on, and everybody said, Well, he's like being really efficient, but he's not getting the workload. You can't really play him in a lineup because it looks like it's split backfield. You know, he might be the backup running back. And the, the problem was just Alvin Kamara, every time he touched the ball, wherever he was on the field, he scored. So he would end the drive, and it looked like he wasn't getting a lot of volume, right? Like Ingram would get two or three carries on the drive, then Alvin Kamara would run at 70 yards for a touchdown. People are like, well, he only got one carry on the drive. <laughs> you know, like he's, he's probably not getting the work that you need. And like Devin HN reminds me of that, where like he's scoring from anywhere on the field. Um, but is it, but it, I, hold on, can I, it's not the same as Ingram and Kamara because the roles are reversed. Yeah. Like Kamara's value on that team was that, that we know in DFS for PPR, full point PPR scoring, that receptions targets are worth way more than rushes. And of course, goal red zone rushes are worth way more than any other type of rush. Like a Chan is, it's not like he's catching balls out of the backfield and getting this work. He's just take, it's, it's just running the ball in from the 38 yard line. He's running the ball in from there. So are the comparisons really that, True, because like if a John doesn't get in the end zone, like how the hell does he get there? 
Well, so Achan's catching some passes. Uh, he's got, was it, uh, eight receptions through three games. Um, I think it's about as the same number of like receptions per game as, as Moster. I, I think they're both catching passes out of the backfield. Uh, and so I don't necessarily mean that like that the roles are exactly similar to like right. New Orleans Saints backfield. I think more just in terms of I think it's the first time since then where I would be comfortable playing two running backs from the same team together. Oh, no, that's going to happen again when they both score over 50 dra- dra- fantasy points? Could be. I, I, like, I'm not going to go out of my way to do it. Like, I'm not going to force them in, but I'm not going to, you know, I usually set a rule that I only want one running back from each team. And I'm going to, like, say, like, I don't know, like, I don't think I'm going to set that rule for, for Miami this week. Uh, because I think it's, it's absolutely possible that they could both do that again. Um, and, but I'm going to, like, be focusing on, on HN. Uh, he's got like 11 yards per carry. Like that's insane. He could, he's like sixth in the NFL in rushing and he has only played three games and he's only got like 27 carries. Like he, his next 27 carries, he get no yards and he'd still be averaging over five and a half yards per carry. It's called regression uh, to the mean, John. That's yeah. That's why I don't want to play. I, I, it, when people think of regression to the mean, they think it has to happen like immediately. Yeah. But I mean, it has to happen at some point. This guy ain't going to average 11 yards a rush the whole season. Right. It'll it'll happen at some point, but yeah, he's not going to start averaging zero. Um, you know, he's going to start averaging maybe five something, and that's still very appealing. <laughs> um, and I am like, he's not priced up that high. Uh, if he was at, if he was priced at like 8,500 or something, and, you know, and if he was priced even where like B. John Robinson is priced, and he was seeing like, oh, he's going to be by, by far the highest owned running back on the slate, then maybe that would be a stay away point. We we don't have him projected as like having like incredible ownership, and he's not priced as the, the most expensive running back on the slate. I think maybe he should be priced as the most expensive running back on the slate. Okay, that's a hot take, as uh, people say in the chat. That's a uh, Devin says. Let's go. Let's go to the, the the second highest total game on the slate, I believe, and that's Philadelphia, the Eagles at the Rams. Uh obviously Kyron Williams and DeAndre Swift, the running backs in these games. This game is are going to be targeted, right? Kyron's only at sixty seven hundred, and he's playing virtually all of the snaps. I mean, Ronnie Rivers, I guess, comes in every once in a while. DeAndre Swift has seemingly just completely supplanted Kenneth Gainwell as as the the lead running back, which is rare for the Eagles that we have a running back that's like, oh, they actually decided on something. The issue in this game is Cooper Cup. Like it really comes down to on the Rams side that once you, when they say, I, I looked on Twitter, they say he's, he's ready to go this week. Like $8,600 Cooper cup coming off an injury. Doesn't sound like, like I'm not sure if he's going to be Cooper. Cup. I mean, is he going to come back and play hundred percent of snaps and be efficient at 8,600? But then you also got all the other receivers that even if Cooper cup is playing half the snaps, like all these other Rams receivers are just way too expensive at that point because Cup's going to suck suck up enough target share that it isn't worth playing. Do you think that with the Philadelphia with the twenty seven point implied total that why can't we just go back to Hertz plus one of AJ Brown or Devonta Smith and play Dallas Goddard at forty two hundred and maybe you run it back with Kyron Williams and let's go let's do it. 
Yeah, I'm not. So I think I'll be playing a lot of Jalen Hurts. I'm not sure I'll be running it back with a lot of Rams players. Like, I think you can actually play Hurts um, kind of. And I think you can pair him with somebody. I think you can pair him with A.J. Brown or Dallas Goddard. Uh, Devontae Smith, I think, is a little bit banged up. But, like, you know, I, I think that's that's fine. I mean, everybody's going to end up banged up. The the pricing on the Rams players is a little bit different this, this week, though, than you would see on most weeks because, like, like we kind of could see what's going to happen. The Rams receivers had to get priced up. They were doing so well, um, and they were priced so cheaply. And now Cooper Cup is back, and he's potentially going to be eating into all of their workloads. Uh, but you got to price Cooper up, Cup uh, up as well. Um, and so the Rams are really just too expensive. Like, the, the Rams are the more... Uh, like, you know, in terms of like point per dollar, they're probably the more expensive team here. Um, and so I actually think you can play this game just playing like Jalen Hurts and, and A.J. Brown. Um, and you don't necessarily need a, a really expensive Rams run back. Um, I, I don't mind like Tutu Atwell, though, if you are like if you are going to play a Rams wide receiver. Yeah, you got you to like. Yeah, there he is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I don't think he's going to get like based out of the offense uh, entirely. I feel like, I feel like Puka and, and Cooper Cup could eat into each other a little bit, whereas Tutu may maintain his same role. Um, and, you know, at only like 4%, I think if I'm going to run like a Jalen Hurts back back um, with a Rams player, like Tutu Atwell might be the guy that I look at rather than going to the more expensive wide receivers um, or like Higby at the tight end position as well, just because like that's such a wasteland. Although, I don't mind playing, um, like, you know, if you're going to play Hurts, then maybe pair him with God. Okay, so outside of those games that we just discussed, those are the higher total games. There's quite a gap until we start getting into low to really low total games. One that is going to be popular, and the chat does want to talk about it, and I did also. It has like a 44.5 total. It's Cincinnati at Arizona. I don't think, I mean, it looks like T. Higgins is not going to play. Irv Smith is questionable. I don't know if that, how much that matters. I think maybe that matters or if you want to play some Tanner Hudson at tight end. I think this, I think people are going to go back to Joe Burrow. And so that's the Bengals can't be this bad for this long, right? Once you take Higgins out of the, out of the target share that it's like, okay, it's quite easy and affordable. To play Burrow plus Chase plus Boyd plus Hudson plus Irv Smith. Plus, I mean, whatever. Pick two. Probably you're doing Burrow, Chase plus one of the other cheaper ones. You got Joe Mixon there. 6,400, right? Cincinnati is favored on the road, right? It's one of the, They are the favorite team. Is it? Is it weird for me to say, John, that I'm actually more interested in playing this game as a Josh Dobbs stack. Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> that's that's what I was gonna say. As I think I like the idea of you play like Joshua Dobbs, um, you play Joshua Dobbs, Michael Wilson, and then do whatever you want. And yeah, I, you can run that back with Joe Mixon. I, I, obviously, I think the concern here is Joe Burrow is you know still hurt and he's like completely immobile now. Um, and like it's really affecting the team. Uh, I think it was Jamar Chase that said, and this was a couple of weeks ago, that he would have preferred if Burrow sat until after the bye week um, because like he is like legitimately injured and it's affecting his mobility and like he can't evade sacks. Um, and he used to like get like a little bit of rushing yards, uh, but like there's nothing there. 
at all. Right, but it's not even the rushing yards. It's like if you can't yeah. move around in the pocket, you also can't like faint throws. You can't you can't use the use your your you can't roll out in order to you know get more time for your receivers. I mean, it's you're you're kind of stuck in kind of a base offense, and I'm assuming that's why the wide receivers are kind of being like like we're doing as much as we can to get separation, but you you make it so you you're we're telegraphing these plays too much. Yeah. And there is a possibility like Burrow's just going to get better. All right. I mean, it's like an injury that he's playing through because the presumption is it's going to heal and get a little bit better each week. So I actually do like the idea of like stacking this whole game because I think it is a game that could exceed its total by a lot if Burrow's like feeling better. Uh, but if he's not, like the Cincinnati offense could look exactly the same just without T. Higgins uh, and potentially without Irv Smith. And so I don't know if that's something I really want to buy into at really high ownership. Because I think if, if T. Higgins does miss this game, then I, I think people are like Jamar Chase might see his ownership skyrocket. And like if, if Burrow can't move around in the pocket, like it's, we're probably still in the same exact situation we've been in in the first four weeks. Um, and so that's not necessarily something I want to buy into it at high ownership. But I don't mind the, the idea of like overstacking this game with the idea that maybe Burrow is feeling a little bit better um, and that these pieces could all come together. It's obviously like talent here. Like these pieces on both sides of the game could come together to make this game go over its total. Uh, and so there are a lot of attractive pieces like Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd. Um, and then, yeah, like on the Arizona side, surprisingly, like Zach Ertz, Michael Wilson, um, and Joshua Dobbs is looking pretty good. And, and uh, Hollywood Brown. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's going to be the highest owned. Um, yeah, I think from the, the Arizona guy. I think he's like, I think he's particularly well priced on DraftKings. Five five k. Not it's not it's not like that expensive. Yeah, um, yeah, no, yeah. I think he's like he's well priced. Um, I, I I'll probably end up under the field on on Hollywood Brown and over the field on Michael Wilson. Okay, I want to talk about two more games. Uh, one game I think is going to be over owned, and one game I think is going to be under owned. I want to, I want your thoughts, and maybe you disagree with that. A game that I think will be over owned. For its ceiling, I think is going to be Houston Atlanta. I th- I think, and admit, this is what I think. Maybe you think differently. It's only a forty-one and a half total. I mean, Atlanta runs the ball a lot, right? They're playing their their favorite at home. It's not like the Texans are great. I mean, they're letting C.J. Stroud throw the ball, but I'm I'm concerned about play volume here. Bijan Robinson at seventy-seven hundred is going to be pretty well owned, and. If people do play this game, I, I mean, I've been running lineups and you get like CJ Stroud stacks with Bijan runbacks. Like obviously Bijan in and of himself has a ceiling, like, like Tank Dell will get some ownership and Nico Collins will get some ownership. I just feel that at the, these, I mean, it's not like it's going to be high, high owned, but at this ownership level, like compared to the other games on the slate, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, if the Falcons are ahead, I'm not sure how this this game gets the play volume. You'd want the Texans to come out to a two touchdown lead, and then that's how it happens. But I'm not even sure if the Texans can do that because the Falcons' defense isn't like isn't like awful or anything. So, are what what is your interest in this game as a stack, or are you more likely to just play pieces? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. No, I think I'm going to play this game as a stack. Uh, and it's like, this is the game that I have like my most solid feelings on. Like, this is a game that I'm going to stack in like 20 max and 150 entry. Oh, contests. so you're, you're the opposite of me. You think, you think this, you think this game is under owned. You this game should be higher than it should be. No, no, I don't think so. I think like, I'm going to own it at about 5%. So if I have, if I'm doing a 20 oh, max, 5%. I'm going to have one game stack. Oh, okay. Okay. So, yeah. but I, so your point is it's not, has nothing to do with like, you want to have a lot of this game. It's more the fact of if you play this game, you'd rather play it as a stack or yes. avoid. Exactly. And that stack is the exact base stack you would think of. It's CJ Stroud, B. John, B. John Robinson, and one or two Houston receivers. And that's it. Like, that's that's the only thing I have interest in. I guess you could maybe run it back with, like, Drake London, but that's, like, pretty risky. Um I don't know. Like I'm, I'm kind of done with the Atlanta offense. Like I think it was like two weeks ago. I was like, oh, yeah, I think it's against Detroit. It's like I, I think this Atlanta offense could surprise people. It's surprising no one. It is. There's just running B. John Robinson. Like that is the only piece you want from the Atlanta side. Um, and and even that's a little bit risky. But I like the idea of playing B. John because I think if he's finding the end zone, it's probably on long runs, which I think he can do. And that's turning the ball back over to the Houston side. And C.J. Stroud has looked you know, surprisingly good. So, yeah, I think you can play this as, like, C.J. Stroud, um, the, yeah, Houston receivers, and B. John Robinson. You know, play that in about 5% of your lineups, and that's about it. And I'm the probably not I, touching it outside of that. Okay, here's a game I think is going to be under-owned in a certain way. Sneakily, this team has, like, I think the third highest total on the slate. They're at home, and they're playing in what is, you know, ironically called the Coors Field of NFL DFS, and that's the Dome in Detroit. Uh, I think Montgomery at 6,600 is going to get some ownership, a decent amount. Uh, I think Adam Thielen is going to get a fair amount of ownership at 5,100. I'm looking, especially, I just saw on Twitter that Amon Ross St. Brown is not going to be at practice today. That's typically not a good sign. If someone misses Friday's practice completely, not limited, just completely misses yeah. it. It's much more likely that he's going to miss. I like I like golf stacks. I like I and and truthfully, I don't mind pairing golf with like a Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporta. You know, you could always throw in a Josh Reynolds. This is obviously if Amon Ra d- doesn't play, but even if Amon Ra does play, I mean, I just think a lot of people are going to have. David Montgomery on one side and Adam Thielen on the other side. And I feel like I want to have Goff plus two and then Miles Sanders 
as kind of the run back there because as long as, you know, Detroit, if Detroit's playing fast and they're throwing the ball a little more often than you expect, right? Because they have been. And Carolina can keep up. I mean, I'd, I'd rather play it this way. I mean, I, yeah, you could run it back with Thielen. Yeah, sure, you could play. You know, I don't think you play golf stacks with Montgomery in it. But what what what's your what's your opinions on on this game and how how are you going to attack it? Are you going to attack it more or less? Yeah. So Amon Ra, St. Brown potentially missing this game. Like I knew he was questionable, uh, but that it, yeah, it's now looking a little bit more likely like he might miss the game. Uh, I think yeah, Sam Laporta. The two players you mentioned that I'm I'm pretty interested in are, are uh, Sam Laporta and Jameer Gibbs. Uh, I think David Montgomery, like we're seeing him as one of the highest owned running backs on the slate. Like he's somebody that I always liked being over the field on when he was low owned because like he could always get like two touchdowns. Uh, but now it's kind of flipped. Like I don't know if I necessarily want to buy into him at super high ownership uh, because Jameer Gibbs is there. Like why would you? Like we've got. Montgomery at 10 times the ownership of Jameer Gibbs. <laughs> like that doesn't really make sense. And and Gibbs is cheaper. And Gibbs is another one of these rookies that, you know, people are super excited about week one. And it's like, well, hold on. Like maybe, maybe you want to start playing him like week five when they're, they're giving him a little bit more of the playbook and, you know, a little bit more looks. Um, Carolina side, it's kind of tough. Like there's not a whole lot I'm interested in. Um, I, I, yeah. Probably Adam Thielen. Is the guy you can play Mingo if he play, if you play if he plays play Mingo at thirty three hundred when a lot of people are playing Wandale or Rashi yeah. Rice or Michael Wilson like Jonathan Mingo may be like one percent owned in that slot and is he going to be ten times less likely to outscore those other cheap wide receivers? Right. Yeah, I think Mingo is definitely in play. It's just there is there's a ten point spread. We'll see if things adjust. Like if Amon Ra is declared out, um, or if he's like you know listed as doubtful or something like that. Uh, we'll see if if the spread gets affected. I mean, Detroit's favored by ten here, and the Carolina offense hasn't really looked that good. Um, and so I, you know, and the Detroit defenses look pretty good. So I don't know if I want to necessarily be going crazy, you know, with with uh, Carolina players here. Probably I would pick one, yeah, from like Adam Thielen or, or Jonathan Bingo, um, and like maybe Hayden Hurst. Like if, but I'd rather just play Sam Laporte if I'm playing a tight end in this game. But I, I'm definitely interested in being over the field on Jameer Gibbs there if, if Mon Ross St. Brown is out. Any other games that you're – I mean, we, we talked about a lot of them. Any other games that we have not mentioned that you that you specifically are looking to target or looking to avoid? Um, so just actually one last piece of that Detroit game. I think Jameson Williams is supposed to be back. And they had talked about uh, limiting him um, – say his suspension got reduced. So they talked about limiting him like – like easing him in slowly. I do wonder if that Amon Ra St. Brown um, news changes that, that dynamic a little bit. I know they're different kinds of receivers, but um, you know, if, if Jameson Williams is getting more snaps just as a result of Amon Ra St. Brown missing the game or more looks, um, that's a, a factor at like less than 1% ownership. You might want to consider from this game uh, in terms of, in terms of other games, like one other game, yeah, you're hovering over it right now, the, the Tennessee-Indianapolis uh, game. Um, in the Dome, uh, Anthony Richardson you know, facing a, a pretty uh, – it's a pass funnel or whatever uh, defense. Yeah. Um, and you, uh, Richardson's a guy that I think could be a future star, at least for a DFS. Uh, like C.J. Stroud might be the better quarterback, but Anthony Richardson might put up more fantasy points. Um, and he doesn't – 
I said this about Justin Fields last week. Like Anthony Richardson can put up a bunch of points on the DFS scoreboard without them necessarily going on the the real NFL scoreboard. Um, so if he if they're putting points on the NFL scoreboard as well, that's something I'm very interested in. Like Anthony Richardson is probably the quarterback I'm most interested in after the really expensive guys, like after Mahomes and Hurts. Um, I think Anthony Richardson is is a guy that could outscore them. Uh, just if he gets two more rush, rushing touchdowns and he's throwing one then he's justifying that price and he might be outscoring like Mahomes and, and Jalen Hurts. I mean, I'm most likely, if he were to play this game, I would think Richardson and to pair him with Josh Downs at 3,700 because he's in that punt. Yeah. People are going to play Wandale. People are going to play Michael Wilson, Rashi Rice and all the, and it's like, okay, you can play him there. And then just DeAndre Hopkins on the other side and, and you're good to go. I think DeAndre Hopkins, especially if, uh, I think we have Alec Burks. Yeah, yeah, we have Traylon Burks out of our projections. So Hopkins isn't like a big play guy, but he's someone that could, at 5,700, he could get in the end zone twice. And if he goes, you know, seven for 80 with two touchdowns, 5,700 is a good price for that. Yeah, like Hopkins is, is priced way down now. Like he was 6,900 on DraftKings to start the year. It's down to 5,700. Uh, you know, obviously like, this is not a high volume passing offense, so that's going to hurt him. But they're probably not going to be in a better position than in the dome against the Colts. Um, you know, so I if we're going to see it from DeAndre Hopkins, like this might be the week. And I, I like it as the other side of like the Anthony Richardson, Josh Downs stack. Uh, that's, you know, Anthony Richardson's maybe a little bit more expensive than I would like. But yeah, then you're playing him with like Josh Downs, pretty cheap receiver and DeAndre Hopkins, you know, who's priced way down. That's giving you a little bit of a game stack, and then maybe you're that's letting you put in like a, a you know Justin Jefferson, Travis Kelsey like mini stack, right, or something like that. Um, so that's way you're getting like kind of two game stacks, and they can conceivably both go off. And I you know I think this Tennessee Colts game could be the one that that goes over its total. So it is a game like uh, probably interested in game stacking more or staying away. But I think it is one of those games I'm interested in using as a way to fit in the more expensive pieces from the more expensive games. Well, since we're talking about stacks, we have our uh, NFL DFS optimal stacks tool for DraftKings as well as FanDuel. John, you want, you want to have a quick, you know, 60 second explanation of what this is? I mean, it's for only for premium members. So I'm just going to, going to show you the, the top of it. Cause it'll change. It'll obviously update tomorrow. Also. I mean, it updates yeah. multiple times. So I don't think we're going to get projection changes, so I could probably show it. But what exactly, I mean, you you look at these tools. I mean, I do also for all the sports. So what what's the, you know, the 60-second elevator pitch on on why this is useful? Sure. So it's really just running, I believe it's a bunch of simulations, and we just take a look at, like, who's showing up in the optimal lineups. We compare that to projected ownership, and that's giving you your, your leverage spots, right? Like, who do you want to be over the field on? Who do you want to be under the field on? Um, so I write an article on this each week, focusing on the quarterbacks and which re- wide receivers I would I would pair them with. And it, you know, this tool shows exactly like what stacks and what quarterbacks. Um, it expresses in terms of quarterbacks, like what quarterbacks will be overowned and underowned. Uh, you know, according to our simulation or interpretation of the slate. Um, and you know, sometimes I don't agree with the tool. Sometimes I say like I don't. I think this is. I, you know, I, this guy is showing up as negative leverage, but I want to be over the field on him anyway. Well, sometimes, uh, sometimes it really depends on what you think ownership is going to be. Because yeah. a lot of times it's like I look and I go, I don't think people are going to play this guy as much as, as much as we project him to. So 
if I decrease the ownership, he actually becomes positive leverage and then the vice versa. So yeah. even if even when you look at that type of stuff, always in your mind go, well, do I agree with the ownership and the projection? Do I think there's a higher ceiling involved in certain spots? And you could still inform your own opinions, but John, you would agree that this would be at least like a good starting point of like, let me, let me take a look what our Sims say and then adjust from there. Yeah. And it's, it's really, it's an educational tool as well. Like it really is like this week when I looked on Wednesday, um, in it, cause I have to, I have to write an article on it. Uh, it showed the same quarterback as being the highest leverage on FanDuel, I think, and the lowest leverage on DraftKings and kind of thinking through why that might be. Um, was, was pretty interesting. Um, so I, that'll probably be, if, if it's the same way now, um, I'll probably, you know, have that definitely as a, as a piece of my article. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, it's a, it's a great tool. I mean, it's a great way, you know, people start their lineups with a quarterback because um, that's generally going to dictate what game stack you're using. So I think it's a, it's a very valuable tool. It's, it's one of the most interesting articles I think that I'm writing each week is uh, taking a look at the output of this tool and trying to figure out what it means and why it is the way that it is. Um, and like, like we've said, like these numbers kind of show up as just, you know, orange to blue, but like they, they can make a big difference. Like, you know, you see like Jared Goff there is at, you know, 6.2 versus, you know, 4.92. And you say, well, it's like a 1% difference. That's kind of meaningless. But like 1.2 out of five, you know, is a 20 something percent you know, increase or decrease. Uh, and that, that might actually be a better way to express it there in the difference column. Which is probably something I should talk to Jimino about, uh, right? But you know, because these these differences can be more meaningful than they seem. Um, you know, if you're if right, you're like, buying like the thing like, about Joe Burrow is like this point six difference means a lot more when it's out of almost four. So yeah. that's like a nine percent difference. But remember what I said before. I think he's going to be higher on than three percent. Like I like if if you put him at like oh his ownership is going to be six percent. Then it becomes like the 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 most negative leverage quarterback on the entire slate. So it's not yeah. just like, oh, this is based on our current ownership numbers. Well, if you disagree with the numbers, then change the like like it's what I even say about projections. It's like, well, I think this guy, I think this guy has a higher ceiling. So I said, so change his number. And I go, yeah. like, you're you're going against the model that is taking all these things into account, probably better than you. But if you disagree with it before you build your lineups, then dude, raise his projection by two, right? Lower. You're more than welcome to put your own opinions into lineup HQ and replace certain projections if if you want. That's not let's that's not sacrosanct. I change ownership projections all the time. I may not change the player projections all the time, but the ownership ones, dude, I could sometimes I can wipe them out and go, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do them myself. Yeah, I mean, I I change ownership projections all the time. <laughs> I used to like, like, oh, I can't. Uh, I, this is like with computer set. I can't change this. Just go ahead and change it. Uh, like when I'm not getting the the percentage of players that I want, I got to, you know toy around with all kinds of like groups and stuff. Oh, I've got to change the ownership. Or I've got to change the uh, the player projection. That's going to give me less of this guy. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, you know, you can go in, you can change what you want, um, and I, I think it's a, it's a great tool that the optimal uh, stacks tool. It, it was interesting. It's showing like Tua as being the highest owned quarterback there, and not uh, not owned enough. And I don't even know that he's going to hit the ownership number that we had there. So, well, that'll also be updated. So, like, we'll have an ownership update later today. Then we'll have one on Saturday. Then obviously Sunday morning. 
So once ownership and projections, if Alman Ra is out, that change changes what golf stacks look like. If someone else is in, you know, so that's why that's something that you should be checking in on, right? I build my lineup Sunday morning. So maybe I check in on it every day and seeing, oh, what could possibly be. But really, I don't make any final decisions at all until wake up, you know, get my get my coffee Sunday morning and then go, okay, I got three hours to make these lineups. Let me iron out what it is I want to do. Yeah. You start getting like the final injury news, usually a little bit after midnight East Coast time on Saturday. It's like just generally I'm going to bed. As soon as I go to bed, all the injury confirmations come out. Oh, this guy didn't travel with the team. You know, this guy is you know, declared out. Um, but I end up waking up Sunday exactly, and then then making my final decisions. Um, you know, yeah, you don't have to set up a lineup on Wednesday, thankfully, and then play it on Sunday. You can you're allowed to make changes. Before we get out of here, I want to address the props and pick them. I did put a card in on underdog or a slip. I don't know what the proper terminology is. Uh, before the show, I looked at uh, at Cardi's blitz projections as well as our own Roto Grinders NFL projections. I, I bring them into Excel. I could bring in the numbers, the lines, and everything from all the sports books, as well as underdog and prize picks, and compare, you know, convert means into medians, and then compare to the prices and numbers that are on both sides. We have a we have a props and pick'em tool that if you're a premium member, you could you could take part in. We also have a props and pick'em package where people look at the tools and they tell you. Right. Here's a good bet. Right. So we have Britt, we have Grant, we have Justin, we have we have a t- we have all of our most of our at least Roto Grinders analysts contributing to that package. So if you don't want the DFS stuff only, right, you could just props and pick and package even cheaper. But I got Isaiah Pacheco under 13 and a half rushing attempts. Right. I got Tony Pollard over 55 and a half rushing yards. I got Zach Ertz over. 29 and a half receiving yards. And then I got a combination of Jared Goff over 20 and a half completions with Jameer Gibbs over 15 and a half receiving yards. And individually, like remember on an underdog, you kind of on a five pick with insurance, you have to satisfy like a 55% win rate. So like minus 120. And as of right now, these all show an edge on the, if you want to bet them individually on the sports books, if you bet these at minus one twenty, it would sh- it would show as profitable according to our projections. So basically, if it's if it would show as profitable at minus one twenty on the sports books, putting these five together on underdog, getting minus one twenty would be profitable. So feel free if you if you want that you could compare. You could, they're way more than this. I just put five together before the show just for the sake of it, but. Uh, remember, get these early. If you if you if you got some of the some of the numbers I've gotten, I got on Tuesdays and Wednesday. Uh, you can't get them anymore, right? You can't get them at the same price anymore. I got some at plus money when now they're minus one fifteen. When I got them at plus one forty or something like, you got to get you. You really, when it comes to the sports betting stuff, especially for props or anything, like do not wait till Sunday morning to yeah. to bet your props. Right, get them now. DFS lineups. Wait until Sunday to confirm everything. Like sports betting, it's the opposite. Like, I don't know if you're going to get that Jameer Gibbs, um, you know, 15 and a half receiving yards if the Monroe St. Brown is out. Like I would, that's probably going to go a little bit higher. Um, so yeah, 
want to get we're just going to come up underdog may just take it off the board until yeah. they get the news right that sometimes that happens yeah but yes but you're absolutely right so you can do both that's why i'm that to me that's why i like the combination of dfs and sports betting prop betting pick them stuff is that like dude early you know tuesday wednesday thursday friday it's like okay let's Every once in a while, I check the board. Okay, good. Let me bet this. Oh, let me do that. Let me put this together. And it's like, oh, I'll check in on the DFS stuff. Oh, what's looking good? Oh, okay, run some lineups. But then Sunday comes and it's like, like I don't even look at the sports books. It's like, like I already got everything in. Unless something, information has changed wildly. I mean, not going to find very good, the best prices and the best numbers. So I'm just going to focus on my DFS lineups. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the way to be. You're going to be on the uh, the uh, solo ship show later today, right? Yeah, solo ship later today, and um, be getting trying to get my uh, UFC article in. Uh, try to get that out, you know, out before Saturday. So I think weigh-ins are starting in about ten minutes. Uh, so I think we're still. I don't want to say anything, right? It's like a no hitter, but we've right. got a pretty good streak. <laughs> going, we're still so. at X amount of fights, and then we're not. Yeah, but yeah, but it hasn't been that way lately. It's been a it's been a little while, so. Um, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully all the fights go, and it should be like a high scoring card. It's not necessarily the highest level UFC card, but it uh, should be pretty high scoring. Um, and some like some of the interesting pricing dynamics. I think we've had at least one line completely flip um, since since pricing came out. So, but you'll talk about that on MMA Crunch Time tomorrow. Yeah, and yeah, it'll be on uh, the yeah UFC pre lock show with H uh, three Buddha Mike Brown. Just go over, you know, generally about half an hour, go through all the, the fight picks and and who we liked. And, um, you know, the Ground and Pound podcast coming out, should be coming out today. I watch it on StreamYard before it gets published <laughs> to the site. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it should be out, uh, I think, sometime today. So definitely give that a listen because like, Mike and, and Liam give an excellent breakdown of each fight. Right. And you'll always, you'll always be able to check out these shows, get reminded of them by hitting the notification bell. When they come up on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, hit the thumbs up button on your way out the door. Come on, hit those thummy thumbs. We love the thummy thumbs. Thanks for everyone in the chat. Send in your questions to the mailbag questions at theoryofdfs.com. Uh, we got tons of premium content coming out today. Subscribe to Roto Grinders, get all of our projections, get access to lineup HQ and everything that we offer here. And I'll see you back on Monday. Reviewing, hopefully, a winning slate for NFL Week 5 and everything you're thinking about when it comes to daily fantasy, props, and pick them on Roto Grinders today. <laughs>